Hello there, and thanks so much for supporting the Music Career Show. My aim with this podcast is to help as many people as I can turn their passion for music into a career that can support them and their family by speaking to people who have actually done it and finding out how they've done it. With this in mind, I have developed my music career roadmap. This is a fully comprehensive and detailed step-by-step guide of how you can go from dreaming about your ideal career to actually implementing and living that dream. It is yours to download for free and can be found in the description of this episode. If you would like any support at any stage of your music career, you can reach out to me via email at barry at oneladmusic.com. I wish you all the best of luck and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Music Career Show. Welcome to the Music Career Show, telling you the stories of the world's best professional musicians. Hello there and welcome to the Music Career Show. My name is Barry and every week I'll be speaking with incredible musicians from all over the world about how they've honed their craft and made a career out of doing what they love the most. If you're a new listener, then while you still have your device in your hand, please take a second to subscribe and tell your friends all about the Music Career Show. Hello there and welcome back to the Music Career Show. Just in case you're new here, my name is Barry Carroll and every week I dive into the secrets of building a successful career in music with amazing musicians and music professionals from every sector imaginable. My aim is to get you inspired real life stories and learn from industry insiders so that you can make music work. Please subscribe, review and share the podcast to unlock your potential as a music pro and help me share the love as far and wide as possible. If you are perhaps a musician stuck in a nine to five lifestyle, then don't miss out on my free music career roadmap. This is a step by step guide of the exact steps that I took to build my music business and make music work for me. You'll find that in the description of this episode or head over to onelabmusic.com forward slash roadmap. Now to the main event. On this week's episode of the Music Career Show, I am joined by a Vancouver based pianist composer and singer-songwriter. She is a storyteller at heart and has explored a variety of genres in her music career from pop and jazz to world music. She recently released her debut album Rainy Times and the accompanying short film The Rainy Times Story which I'm sure we're going to get into. So this is Jordana Delgado. Hello Jordana. Hello, how is it going? I'm so happy to be here. I'm delighted to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. So, Jordana, before um, we get stuck into all that lovely stuff, why don't you introduce yourself to all the lovely listeners in case they haven't heard of you just yet? So, my name is Jordana Delgado. I'm a pianist, composer, and singer-songwriter. And as you said, I'm a storyteller because I tell stories through music. Uh, Stories always lead my way. And um, I'm also a teacher. I'm a piano teacher, a music theory teacher, and even though I've done many different um, projects, uh, musical projects um, through my through the years, I just recently started my solo career. So I released my first album uh, in 2021. And yeah, that's me. Excellent stuff. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into all of that stuff um, as we go along. Let's reverse back for a minute. And I always ask people, where did music all start for you? So uh, when I was born, my parents, both of them, worked in the music industry. My father was a bass player. They are both retired now, but he was a bass player and he was traveling all the time. And my mom was a booking agent. So I was exposed to live music all my life. Um, My father used to bring me to uh, his band rehearsals. 
And my mom, because of her job, uh, used to bring me to a lot of uh, life events, especially if they were for children, like puppets or theater or, I don't know, circus, whatever it was. And of course, before and after the shows, we would always hang out with the artist because my mom was a booking agent. So she has to, she had yeah. to be there. And it was really fun because, you know, I was a cute kid and so everybody was playing with me and yeah, I have great memories. So I think it was only natural that I showed interest in music very early. I think I started mm -hmm. singing when I was around four or so. And I asked for piano lessons at that time too, but my parents thought I was too young, that I wasn't serious. And then... Um, when I was, I think I was around six or so, we learned how to play the rigger at the school. And that was oh, all cool. I did at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can um, imagine. And then uh, when I was 10, because I kept asking for piano lessons nonstop, um, when I was around 10, my parents gave me a Casio keyboard. It was a little tiny Casio keyboard. I think it was only two octaves. Uh, you only could play one note at a time, but it oh, doesn't wow. matter. Yeah, you know those? Do, yeah, the old, yeah, the old, they were like really old from like the 80s and they had a RAM card and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember yeah. those. They were great. Yes. <laughs> so I was really happy with that. And uh, like a year later, because we had a classical guitar at home, my parents said, would you maybe like to take guitar lessons? And I said, yes, please, whatever. I want to play all the instruments. Yeah. So I took uh, guitar lessons for a couple of years. And then they saw that I was serious about music, that I my obsession wasn't going away. So they finally gave me piano lessons at 13. It only took me 10 years. You mentioned there um, at, at, before we started recording that you grew up in Barcelona. So like, um, what was the, like, was there a local syllabus that you followed or was it just the standard grades that the rest of us do or how, how did it work? So when I started piano lessons, I was at my neighborhood music school, but we followed the syllabus from the conservatory. So we had okay. every year at the end of the year, it was, I think it was in June or May, uh, we had the conservatory teachers come into the school to take the final exams. And like what, so... Is that uh, a Spanish thing or a Catalan thing, the conservatory? It was the Liceo Conservatory in Barcelona. Oh, okay. And what's that for, for for anyone that's like, I don't know what that is myself. I can only relate it back to something like rock school or ABRSM yeah. um, exams. But is it something similar to that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, they and have syllabus and they have like a list of repertoire that you can choose from. And then you take the exam at the end of the year. And then we also, because at that time, now things are very different. But at that time, we did, I think in English, it's called solfeggio. Okay. Uh, solfeggio is when you read the notes and sing. You have a music score and then you have to sing it. Oh, and sight reading. Sight, well, no, it's, it wasn't sight reading because you learned, you actually learned the, those lessons and you had to sing it in front of um, of the teachers. I think it's called solfeggio, oh. but let's say music theory. I took um, music yeah, yeah, theory, yeah. but also there were this part of the exam where you had to sing a lesson in front of the teachers. Oh, wow. With That's director, a, interesting. Yeah, with the director sign and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that was, really interesting. That's, yeah, that's, um, it's really um, like kind of practical. Totally. It, it, we don't do that anymore because um, I think at that time oh. they thought that if you could do that, you could play better or read better music 
that is not the case because what uh -huh. actually happened is that we learned by heart all the lessons. So when I was at the exam, I wasn't actually reading anything. I, I knew the song in my head and I was just singing Do Re Mi Fa Sol as I, if, like if it was a song in the radio, actually. So it yeah. wasn't very useful, but you had to go through that. Oh, well, hey, ho! it made your exam easier. And that's, uh, that's, that's always a good thing. So where did music take you then after that? So you were 13, you finally got piano lessons. You'd been playing guitar for a little while. Did you start bands or what did you do up through school and heading towards like university and stuff? So I didn't start playing with bands until I was like 18 or 19 when I was in university. Um, my parents never thought of music for a profession for me. They always told me that music was super hard. I know it's shocking, right? They were working on the music That's industry. So, yeah, that, that, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, but um, because they knew how hard it was. They told yeah. me that uh, music was okay. I could took oh, I, I could take all the lessons I wanted, but I should uh, choose another career. So I actually went to university for studying psychology. Oh right! And, wow. Yeah. So when I was in my first year, um, there was a theater group in university, and they were looking for musicians because they wanted uh, background music for the play. So mm -hmm. I called them, and I went in as a pianist. Uh, so that's when I started playing background music for theater at that moment. And from there, one guy of this group of musicians had another band. It was actually um, kind of a Celtic music band. Um, they were oh, cool. fans of the group. They were fans of a group called Nine Noise. I don't know if you heard of them. I think they were from the 70s or 80s. They're really old. Okay. And they were playing covers of this group. And also some Celtic music and, well, it was all about Celtic-ish. Yeah. And, yeah, cool. we started playing with them. And we also were doing a, a theater play with another uh, theater group, a different one. Uh, also for the background, they were in musicals. I really liked the fact that you could play background music in theater. I think it adds a lot to the storytelling of mm. the play. And it was really cool. So I went into that and I, I did a few more, a few more plays, yeah. um, either playing the piano or the cello, because I'm also a cellist. I don't say it very much because I don't yeah. play much uh, these days, but I also play cello. So I either play a piano or cello at the place. And I really enjoy that. So that's how I kind of started uh, playing gigs. Okay. And did you ever become a psychologist or work as a psychologist? No, I finished my degree. I finished the degree uh -huh. and by the time I finished, uh, I already have kind of like a part-time job on the weekends. Um, uh -huh. But as soon as I finished my degree and I started like, well, I have to find a job as a psychologist, um, I said, mm, I don't really enjoy it. I don't really want to be there. Um, it's really interesting, like the... All the things that I learned in the yeah. degree were really interesting, but I wasn't passionate about psychology. I was passionate about music, so I just dropped it. And I yeah. decided to start teaching music and be around music 24 hours a day. Oh, good for you. I was exactly the same. I didn't even go as far as to get a degree. I done sound engineering for a couple of years and literally five days later, moved to Spain. <laughs> moved to Spain and started oh, wow. playing music. Yeah, because I, I, same as you, I, it was really interesting. And I loved doing the sound engineering and I loved all that kind of stuff 
in an interesting way and that I was interested in it. But every minute of every day that I was doing it, I was like, it was literally just putting in time um, onto like a go out and be a musician. And it's so funny when you were saying that even though your parents are both like, both of their careers are in music and they didn't want that for you. I find that, I completely understand where they're coming from, but I find that mad because my, my parents were exactly the same. I've said this on the podcast, I don't know how many times, that when I was a kid, I wanted to be a rock star because that was literally the natural progression of you play music when you're a kid. What do you want to be? You want to be a rock star or you like playing around with cars when you're a kid. What do you want to be? You want to be a mechanic because that's the natural yeah. progression. Um, yeah. And if only all of our parents back in the 90s knew that all these new opportunities were going to be available to us, podcasts, YouTube, Twitch, all these things that are now, yeah, I know, that are now completely viable career choices. If only we had known back, it would have made, made life so much handier um, for us growing up in the 90s and the noughties. Uh, it would have made life just so much easier and we would have had so, much less pressure on ourselves to go and do our degrees in psychology or our sound engineering to have something to fall back on. Um, so you, you finished up your, psych, your psychology degree and you went into teaching. Did you do that yourself or did you do it through a school or what was the process there? What happened? I just applied to music schools, a bunch of them. I did some interviews and I went in one. And oh, that's how simple it I didn't know anything about teaching, but you learn as you go. Absolutely. I didn't know anything about teaching and I've never had a lesson in my life. Well, that's not true. I've had six, I had, I've had a grand total of six guitar lessons in my whole life and I've wow. never had any lessons in anything else. Yeah. Really? So I'm completely self-taught and yeah. And uh, yeah. And just like you, you say like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. As long as you can do, you can figure it out as you go along. Um, okay. So yeah, so that, that, that's great that you were able to get that. You were saying you kind of learned it as you went along, but how did you, like if you had to reverse engineer and talk to someone about how they learn to teach. How did you learn to teach as you were as you were doing it? Just by watching others. Uh, you start working at schools and you have other teachers around you. So just ask them questions if you need to. Um, see how they do things and try to do the same. Bring some new things <laughs> into the play. Simple as, simple as that. There's not and, there's there, there's no rocket yeah, science to it. Just enjoy and I think. I mean, I didn't have experience with teaching, but I had taken lessons myself. So yeah. you can also, you also have that um, as a... Yeah, that experience you fall back on. Yeah, I always do, do like to encourage as many musicians and creatives indeed as and creatives as well as possible to add tutoring or teaching as like a... Uh, an extra revenue stream because it's such an accessible, it's not an easy thing by any means at all, but it is a very accessible kind of market to get into. And it's a really, really lucrative thing to add as an extra revenue stream to keep yourself taking over while you're working yeah. on becoming that rock star or while you're working on that album or whatever. Um, and even if it's just literally, you just teach people to do things the way that you do it. That's it. That, that's all that's there is it. to it, really. And yeah. And honestly, I think that I'm not the only teacher in the room when I teach. Uh, my students teach me a lot of things too, because oh, yeah. uh, they may not understand something. So I have to think another ways to to explain that same thing, 
or they see some things in a different way that I hadn't seen before. So I I think we both are teachers. That's a beautiful way of putting that. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I always think that it's if the student doesn't get something, it's up. It's the teacher's fault. So like what you're saying, if the student doesn't get, get something straight away, it means you have to think outside the box or think in a different way and you're learning all the time. That's a lovely way of putting that. I yes. love that. I absolutely love that. So you were teaching away in Barcelona anyway and happy out and you were always writing songs at the same time, were you? Yes, I was writing instrumental music um, at the time for many years. Uh, writing songs is something that I started doing recently, like six years ago. Um, okay. I've always been better writing music. Um, I don't know why. I thought that adding words to it was really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was ready to start trying six years ago, and I think it's going well. Great, I really yeah, love awesome. it. I really love it. Excellent. It's, it's great you found that. Uh, so what then made you actually start wanting to like add lyrics? Did you just write all the music and you kind of hit a block and you thought you needed to do something different, or what happened? I, I was inspired by Regina Spector. I discovered her like 10 years ago, and I really loved her. I'm a big fan. Uh, so I wanted to be like her. I wanted to write songs like Regina and play piano. Uh, but yeah, adding words was hard, as I said. So I decided to start doing it um, like six years ago. I took an online course. Uh, well, it was oh. more like a workshop because I was stuck. So uh-huh. I needed something to be like unstuck. And I thought a a workshop was a great way. Uh, So I started following that. And in that workshop, they tell you to write the lyrics first. I know this is a big topic, like lyrics first or music first. What should I do? Um, Mm -hmm. At the workshop, they tell you to write lyrics first and add music. But I tried many different ways. I tried also music first and also music and lyrics at the same time. And what I found that works best for me is writing lyrics first, because what I think is important when you write a song is the message. So you need to have that freedom with the words. And that does not happen if you have the music first, because if you have the music, your lyrics have to fit right in that phrase that is this length, right? And it's really hard. Um, So I prefer to write the lyrics first and then add the music which is really easy that's a really interesting take I don't write songs uh, I've never been uh, overly interested in writing songs and that's I think that's okay it's not my forte it's not what I'm into but I did always wonder how it well it always kind of baffled me how people wrote songs because not creative in that way I'm creative in plenty of other ways but I just don't understand the idea of songwriting and I always do think of like like Elton John and Bernie Taupin, like Bernie Taupin writes the lyrics first and then Elton John puts the words to it. And that sort of makes an awful lot of sense in that you can really influence the sort of the phrasing and the natural flow of the song if you do write the music first, because then the kind of the words do have to fit in that little space regardless. So that's a really interesting um, way of looking at it. Where did like, is that where all like the storytelling uh, came into play? Uh, that's because of my mom, because my mom used to tell us stories all the time, all day, like stories for breakfast, stories for walking to school, stories for when she was driving, stories all the time. I think it was a strategy to get us behave well, because we were just listening, right? Uh, but we yeah. were really hypnotized by stories all day. Well, I, I mean, when I say all day, don't imagine my mom telling stories 24 hours a day. But, you know, when I she was imagine. in the kitchen, yeah. yeah, 
in the kitchen cooking driving things like that and uh, so when I started playing music and exploring music by myself when I was a kid uh, the stories were always in my head I always imagined things when I play those songs in the recorder or in my little keyboard I always music always brings images to my head so I think it's like something that is natural to me to think about stories Cool. And so like, is that your kind of your inspiration for music is that you have these stories and you just want to get them out in in, in whatever way? Uh, when I write music or lyrics, um, it can start from a story or it can start for from the music and then the story comes. Like I can be improvising something in the piano and then suddenly the story comes and then I follow. Or it could be, oh, I want to tell a story about loneliness, and then I start writing. So it can start either way. Okay, lovely. That that that's fantastic. So I know that you now live in Vancouver. What brought you to Vancouver? Well, many reasons. Um, mostly because of my husband's job, because he works okay. in he's a product marketing, and product marketing is not really popular in Spain. So he needed to develop his career. And here in North America, product marketing is really well known. Um, mm-hmm. So there was that. And also there was the fact that we wanted to live like an adventure, live in another country, uh, get yeah. good at English. Um, um, so, yeah, we looked at many other places and we ended up in, in Vancouver. Vancouver cool and then so what was it like starting off I'd imagine you just had to start off from scratch because you said you've been there for a few years now this is before being online was of course it was always a thing or it's been a thing for far longer than like just post lockdown but I'd imagine you just had to like start again from scratch in Vancouver how did you do that totally it was hard um so yeah you are here you don't know because even though society is more or less the same, but the things that people do, how they behave is different. So you have to adapt. Mm -hmm. And also you don't know anyone. Uh, You don't know how to look for a job because, you know, interviews Mm -hmm. here, even resumes here are different than in Spain. So you have to learn first how to present yourself for a job and then do the interviews and all that. Um, so for me, it was easier than for my husband because the process in those companies are super long. Uh, but teaching music is fairly easy. You can just apply to a few schools and some of them would have you. And I started with a few hours and then yeah. I was adding to that. And um, I started uh, working in music schools here in Vancouver, but I also started with my own business, my own uh, private teaching. So I rented yeah. a place. I rented a place in a good place in Vancouver, and I had my own students there for uh, two days a week, and then the rest of the week I was in a music school. And then through the years, I switched, and I am now my own boss. I don't work with music schools anymore. And yeah, and with COVID, I just switched online. I don't teach in person anymore. Oh, you don't teach in person at all? No, because with COVID, um, we went on online. Um, and then I had a studio where I was teaching uh, in person before COVID, but I had to drop it because I was paying the rent just for not mm-hmm. going. And then I found this place. Uh, it, it, this was a blessing because... I mean, I was at home. I was driving. It, it was driving me crazy teaching at home online with all the mics yeah, yeah. and 
you know, it was crazy. So I found this yeah. place. This is really close to my apartment. And but my all my students live in another neighborhood, which is like a 40 minutes drive. So that, yeah, that's the reason why they don't come here in person. And if they want to come once in a while, it's fine. Have them here. So I don't teach in person because I don't want to. It's just that my students right now, the students that I had for years, just happen to live uh, farther. Okay. And have you noticed any, um, like difference in the quality of the lessons that you've been having now that they're all online or is it better than in person? Uh, I think it's more or less the same. Uh, I, I can teach more or less the same and I can hear the students the same. I can correct. I think there are not many differences, but there are, there is one big difference for me. And it was that every lesson with every student at the end of the lesson, we would play together, even either a duet or a little improvisation and that you cannot do that um, online. No. And that's a big no, miss. No, it is a big miss. But the, at the rate the technology is expanding, it won't be long before we can do that. Do you think you would ever go back to teaching in person and teaching like the kind of the old-fashioned? I think so. I think eventually. Just because mm-hmm. my students right now live farther, it doesn't mean that all my students in the future are going to live far away from me. So, yeah. Yeah, I will go That's back true. to him for sure. Very good. And then, so so, so when you moved to Vancouver, you started applying to jobs at music schools and you managed to start up a little business by yourself and you eventually grew that business so that it's now uh, a fully sustainable thing. And how did you, like, how did you fit in all the other um, songwriting and storytelling in um, amongst running a successful business? Um, at the beginning, I wasn't playing much, I have to say, because mm-hmm. it was very stressful. Um, you know, you move to a new place, you have to find a place to live. We were living yep. out of uh, Airbnbs for a while because if you didn't have a job, no one would rent an apartment <laughs> to you. Oh, so right. yeah, you have to have a, you have to have a job. Otherwise, you don't get an apartment. Uh, so that yeah. was hard, and I wasn't playing much at that time because I my, my head was in another place. I can imagine, yeah. And, um, but when I finally, uh, when we finally got stable, then I was teaching only in the afternoons because it is after school that I teach. Mm-hmm. So the mornings were kind of free for me to play a little bit, at least for an hour or two. So I was doing that. And also, um, because I didn't know any musicians in Vancouver and... So I think I went solo and I started my solo career uh, because of that too. Because I think if I had stayed in Barcelona, I would have continued playing with bands and with people, right? Um, yeah. But I think that the fact that I was alone and I didn't know anyone, that made me, I don't know, look inside myself and start doing yeah, this thing. I get you. I had a very similar experience in that when I moved to, I live in Aberdeen in Scotland and it's because my wife is from Aberdeen and uh, when I moved here first in 2014, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any qualifications that were going to get me anywhere really um, bar the sound engineering and I literally had to um, find gigs by myself and that was when I started playing by myself as well and stuff so completely um I know where you're coming from and how did you find that then going solo did you get many gigs or no not yet no I haven't actually since I'm in Vancouver I haven't played uh live much really? I knew a couple of cellists 
And I did a couple of weddings before COVID with one of the cellists. And also with the second cellist, we were building a repertoire to play uh, weddings and events. But we were ready to book gigs and then COVID came and we never did it. You should get back into it. Well, I don't know. It's been a while. Like it's been three years since then. And they had a kid and now it's more complicated. And I had my solo project now. Uh, yeah. So I don't think we're gonna go back to that. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm I'm sick and tired of gigging. <laughs> that sounds terrible, <laughs> but I, it's it does get to be too much of a good thing. And there's plenty to keep you busy during the week. And then by the time Friday night comes around, you just to just do nothing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm sounding really old now and really just yeah. But anyway, um, no, let's talk about your let's talk about your solo project then for a bit. Is that's um the rainy times story? Is it? The album is called Rainy Times, but then there is a Rainy Time story, which is, uh, it is basically my music videos. Um, when I thought about doing music videos for my album, uh, since I'm story driven, I saw this mm-hmm. story in my head. And, well, uh, I think I need to explain what it is first. It is a nine yeah, episode It is mm-hmm. a nine episode short film that goes through the, the tracks of my album. My album has 10 tracks, but um, the last track is a completely different story. Um, so the story goes through the track number one to the track number nine of the album. When I was thinking about what to do uh, for music videos, I was looking at the track list and this story came to my head. And then I have a friend, I have friends in the music, uh, sorry, in the film industry. And mm-hmm. I called one of my friends there and I told him, look, I have this idea. This is like a short film. Would it be crazy to do that? Because, I mean, it, it was big. And he said, no, I think it's beautiful and I think we should do it. Uh, so we start planning and yeah, doing all the pre-production work and we finally did it. Amazing. Amazing. And you've still got the last three episodes to do, I believe. Yes, uh, the story is on YouTube. It's in my YouTube channel, and I released six episodes. Uh, the last episode was released uh, last year, a year ago, and I, then I had to take a break for health reasons. I needed a break, uh, and this year I plan to release the three last episodes of the story. It's a really beautiful amazing. story. What? I'm really touched by it. Yeah. And when can we expect the last three episodes? I know an awful lot of people like to wait for all episodes of something to come out so they can binge watch it. When when can we expect the last three episodes of the rainy time story? I'm hoping in the fall. I'm hoping. Because, you know, it's a rainy time story, so it doesn't make sense to bring it back in the summer. No, (laughs) that's a very good point. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's a very good point. Very good. I'm hoping. That's good stuff. So what is the actual rainy time story about? What's the story of it? So it is a sweet story about um, the pass of time and about growing up and moving on. So we have two layers in the story. There is one, um, and it's about this woman, Emily, who goes back to her childhood home and finds the things that she used to play with when she was a little girl. And that brings back memories. And I'm not going to say anything else. And then there is the other layer. Yeah, you have to find out. And then there is the other layer. layer. Uh, uh-huh. The character is called the performer and is myself. I am the performer. And the performer is in a, it's in a role. Um, 
and is creating the story through the music. So the story that we see with the characters and everything, it is actually created by the, the performer. She's, uh, you can see her uh, writing music, playing music, getting frustrated because it is also about the creative process. And sometimes, you know, in the creative process, sometimes the music flows and everything goes very well. Sometimes you get stuck and you get frustrated. And sometimes uh, you get taken by the story and the story leads you. And that's what finally happened. Uh, she gets caught in the story and she like lets the story, let the story uh, drive her. Okay, that's lovely. I'm looking forward to watching that, actually. Um, that, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, great. I love that, that. That's a wonderful sentiment. I love the sound of it. Um, let's reverse back for a minute and ask. I, I should have asked you this before we got into the actual story. But what was it like um, recording your first solo album? What was the recording process like for you? Well, it was. I was really, you know, because I wanted to do that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was. It was really a big thing for me. It was. I was super happy to do that. I was also nervous. Um, but it was great. I think it was a great thing. Um, and the recording of the album was like the easiest part, like writing the music and recording the actual recording was the easiest part. And as you yeah. know, all the other things that surround uh, the release of yeah. the album, and the pre-production and production of the album is kind of like a nightmare because it's super big. And you, yeah. when, when it is your first album, you don't know that and you don't expect that. Course. So yeah, the actual recording was really good, um, but yeah, all the rest was kind of like a nightmare. I was learning as I I was going. I had to do a lot of research online. Yeah, and if you yeah. if you could give some advice to someone that maybe is heading in that same direction as you, like what sort of issues did you come up against that you had to learn and think on your feet? Um, I think the I think the big advice uh, people were telling me this, and I didn't listen. Like, take it slowly, step by step, don't rush things. Because we yeah. wanna, we want the album to get released by, I don't know, I'm going to say November. My album has to yeah. be released in November. And then you work like crazy through those months and you actually don't have a life. You overwork. I was working for like 12, 14 hours every day. It was crazy. Like, yeah. don't go there. Don't go there. It doesn't matter if your album doesn't get released in November. It can be February. Like, you don't, have, you don't have any boss here. You don't have a deadline. You don't have anyone. No one is going to die if you don't do that. So, just <laughs> yeah, we take yeah. it like that. It's like at the end of the world if I don't release my album by that this date. Uh, so that's the lesson that I have to pass on to others. Like, doesn't matter. Take it slowly. Take rest. <laughs> I love that. Look. No one's going to die. It's grand. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. fantastic. It's only you. I mean, that, exactly. It's only you. Yeah, you're only accountable to yourself. And that's fantastic. So, Jordana, I, I just realized that I've gone past an entire point that I wanted to speak to you about in that that's you had great. your own theater company back in, in Barcelona. Is that right? Yes. That's um, okay. As I said, at the beginning of my music career, I was um, playing for theater plays. And then I think it was only the natural transition that in the end I ended up doing it myself and having a theater play. But it was also kind of random because uh, I had an a cappella band 
uh, for uh, uh-huh. some years. And then one day we had a website and all that. And one day I received a call from a booking agent and they were booking shows for children. And they had many different artists, uh, but they didn't have anything a cappella. And he said, look, I'm interested in your a cappella band. Uh, do you do something for children? And I said, not really. And he said, would you do something for children? And I said, maybe. And then Mm -hmm. he asked, well, so if you did something for children, how would it be? And I had no idea, but I just made up the whole show right there by the phone. And I said, okay, so, you know, it could be, we could tell stories from all over the world and also uh, sing songs from those same countries and he said, oh, that sounds cool. Okay, let's do it. And that's how it started, actually. It was random, wow. but it was kind of like the natural transition. That's so cool. And would you ever think about doing that again? Yes, I thought of that many times because uh, we had the show for like two, three years. And then it ended suddenly because we had a big crisis in Spain. So we just oh. didn't, we didn't want the show to finish, but... I mean, we didn't have any bookings anymore (laughs) because of the crisis. Um, And I really loved that show. I remember being on stage and thinking, I want to do this for the rest of my life because it was really fun. Uh, And I thought of it many times, but I don't know. I'm in a different place right now. I'm doing different things right now. But yeah, it would be something really cool. Oh, that, that, that's such a wonderful thing to hear someone say, but it's also so sad that it had to end in the way that it did. Um, yeah. If only you could do it in Vancouver, I think that would be absolutely amazing. It would be. I think it would be like super, a lot of work, a lot of work. You have to find people uh, willing to do it. Yeah. Um, maybe one day, because I still have that in my head. Like, I really want to do it Maybe one day. Yeah, one day, maybe. We'll work this space, yeah. No, I'll be keeping an eye out for that because I love the idea of that. I think that's wonderful. So, speaking of uh, next steps, what are the next steps for you? What are you working on at the moment? So, at the moment, I've been working on a on a set list for playing events and weddings and whatever it is. Uh, So I hope to be playing around Vancouver this year. I know it's a little bit late in the season to be booking gigs, but I hope I still get some. I already started doing open mics around the city. And yeah, so I hope this year you can see me out there in Vancouver playing. Also, as I mentioned, I want to finish the Rainy Time story. Uh And I hope I start writing my second album. It's about time. It's about time, yeah. But plenty of stuff to keep you going anyway. um, Fair play for getting out there and trying to do something in in the live music in Vancouver. Anybody in around Vancouver, keep an eye out. And what what sort of music are you going to be playing? What sort of venues are you targeting? In case anyone in Vancouver is listening, and they are in dire need of a, a Jordana Delgado. Right now, I'm just aiming to open mics because some open mics have uh, the open mic night uh, one day and then they book artists for a longer set uh, on another day. Ah. So I'm going for that. And then I'm going to just put advertisements and things for weddings or events. Uh, the kind of repertoire that I do covers. I started, um, I have a YouTube channel where I upload a lot of covers and 
I can do those in my gigs. And yeah, a lot of covers. And in between covers, I will put my own music, of course. Very good. Well, I wish you the best of luck with it. That's amazing. So yeah, anybody Thank out you. there in Vancouver getting married that wants, uh, that is in dire need of Jordana Delgado, you'll know where to find her. Before we finish up, um, Jordana, we're going to just jump into a quick fire round here, just for the crack. Stupid questions right. that have no bearing on anything at all. Just a bit of fun towards the end. Um, so let's jump in with question number one. What is your favorite type of shoe? Oh, sneakers. Sneakers. Any particular brand or style? I use Skechers because they are super comfortable. It is funny oh, because cool. when I lived in Barcelona, when I lived in Barcelona, uh-huh. I was wearing shoes like I was wearing dresses and shoes. And I was, you know... I wanted to look very nice. Once I moved to Vancouver, uh, my whole thing changed because here it rains all the time and you just want to be comfortable. So sneakers it is for me now. Brilliant. I love that. What's the most adventurous thing you've ever done? Of moving to Vancouver. I suppose you that is very adventurous. Yeah, you have to leave everything behind. Family, friends, life, jobs, everything and start from scratch. So I think that's it. Yeah, leave the sunshine and all by the sounds of things if it's raining in Vancouver yeah. all the time. I know. Yes. No, it's horrible. But, uh, yeah. What? Ah, hey-ho. Hey-ho. Oh, there's a question that I thought of, right? So I had a guy on the podcast a couple of months ago and he is from Norway. And I asked what his favorite film was. And he said, hang on, I have to look it up what it is in English. And I can't remember what, I think he said it was a Shawshank Redemption, but he was saying that in Norway, it's called something like Freedom Reigns. So it's a totally different name. So, yes. right, here's where I'm going with this. In Spain, or sorry, what is your favorite film that in Spain it's called something different to what it's called some uh, anywhere else in the world? So Does that make sense? It makes sense. But my favorite film is Amelie, which is called the same in all the languages. Is that the French one? Yeah, it is the French one. I'm aware of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, I'll definitely have to stick it onto the list. But is there a a film that you can think of that has a different name in Spanish? You caught me there now. I cannot think of one. On the other guy's podcast, I asked him, "What was jo- what's Jaws? You know Jaws with the shark? What's that called in Spain? Yeah, no, it's shark. Oh, it's just called shark? Yes. Okay, right. We're rolling. You know that old film called The Towering Inferno? It's from the same Newman. Yeah. It's called Yamas, which is the building in flames. Could we do that? Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Now we're getting places. Ghostbusters? Uh, Casa Fantasma. It's like Ghost Hunters. Oh, there we go. There's one. Yes. Let's leave it off with one more um, one more question before we say goodbye. Um, and this was one that I came up with, um, or I heard on another podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was so, so funny. What celebrity would you like to have a fight with? A fight? Oh like my fight. gosh. Could be a, <laughs> could, could it be a musical fight? It could be any sort of a fight. This question does not have to have any sort of sense attached to it. So whatever you would constitute as a fight and with anybody in the world, you don't even need to dislike them. You could really like them and just want to kind of just knock them out for a bit. I don't know. You know, you know that musical reggaeton? I don't, I'm afraid. Oh, you are so lucky. So oh, I would okay, have grand. a fight, like musical fight with those people writing re- reggaeton because, I mean, okay. all the songs sound oh, the same. Oh, fair enough. It's horrible. Okay. 
Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm glad in that case then that I don't know it. Um, what does a musical fight entail? What do you do? Um, you can discuss what you do and why you do it. And maybe, I don't know, you can play together and have like a musical fight where you play at the same oh, time. Or... That, 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 that's such a lovely spin on such a negative question. So well done. Fair play. Thank <laughs> Jordana, before we finish up, where can people find you online? Um, listen to all your music, promote yourself there. Let us know where you, where we can you can be found. Yes, uh, so you can find my album Rainy Times on Spotify, iTunes, and all the platforms in the world. I also have a YouTube channel where I put a new performance video every two weeks, and you can also find there the Rainy Times story. So you can find me by Jordana Delgado on YouTube. And then for everyday stuff, I'm on Instagram every day, Jordana Delgado Music. And I'm also on Facebook and TikTok, but I don't post as often as on Instagram. I'm every day on Instagram. And I post stories and videos. And then for merchandise and CDs and sheet music, you can find me on my website, jordanadelgado.com. Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends about the Music Career Show.